I pray that we'd be encouraged by that this morning. There's so many of us that want to step more fully into your glory and into your grace. Uh, I want to ask you this morning, church, um, how many of you ha- uh, are wanting to step more fully into God's grace this morning? Raise your hand. Okay. So, in the name of Jesus, I want to pull you into that grace. With all the authority that he's given me in his name, I pull you into that grace in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would not fight it, that you would receive it, that uh, the word deserve would not be in there whatsoever, that you would receive it this morning. You would choose to receive it. So I pray, God, that your grace would rest on us this morning. As we enter your word. (coughs) We rejoice in you, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. How many were here last week? We had a wonderful conversation on the wrath of God. Did anyone take that home, that conversation? Anybody? Anybody dialogue with the Lord about it? Good. Keep dialoguing. As we uh, continue to move forward in our journey through Romans and, and navigating the tensions of life, and, and uh, again, for those who are new, we are going in this journey of uh, uh, a, a very slow walk through the letter of Romans in order to navigate the tensions we see in our world because the world around us is not dissimilar to the world that, that Paul was addressing in Romans. There is, there is access to every sin and, de- and desire imaginable imaginable it's kind of like we have here and there are so many controversial issues today in our culture how to as a christian as as one who follows jesus how do we navigate that without compromising who god is in our life but at the same time condemning every single person around us how how do we do that And that's the journey we're on. How do we do that? And Paul says it very clear, and I'm summarizing, and I'm using my own words, but he he says this throughout the whole letter, you got to stay with Jesus. you got to do it. You have to be sensitive to him. You have to engage him. You have to be where he is. And because if not, what God has done is he's given ourselves, when we reject Jesus, and this is what we talked about last week, his wrath is to give us over to the things that we think we want more than him. That, to me, God going, that's wrath. Sometimes we think it's cause and effect, and we talked about last week, it's not cause and effect. It's not this lightning bolt we see in the movies. It's almost something we choose, we choose to step into when we don't choose Jesus, and then we're surprised when life stinks. Wow, this is horrible. Well, yeah, because you've chosen to reject him, and because he's a gentleman, he goes, okay. I'm not going to force myself on you. Remember, the wrath is a response to relationship. It all comes from his love and his relationship, his, his, his desire for relationship with us. You were designed for a relationship. This whole thing, it's not about this, just this battle against good and evil. God has extinguished the enemy through the cross and the resurrection. The death and resurrection of Jesus, he's destroyed sin. So there's not this, is there a spiritual battle in our lives? Yes, but has sin threatening the gates of heaven? No, it's the opposite. It's absolutely the opposite. 
But we, we treat life that it's not about relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship with the Father. And when we reject him, that's when we see his wrath of just going, okay, you want that? And believe me, he's not in sin. And so if he's not there, it's miserable. How many have experienced life not walking with Jesus? How was that? My point exactly. So I'm a, we're going to continue in this passage because there's something that we need to uh, pay more attention to. We talk about it. I've talked about it quite often. Um, we talk about it a lot here. But we, today we have a good excuse because it's a scripture we're looking at to dig more deeply, and that's the simplicity of God, and he is plain as day. Plain as day. And we like to complicate them, don't we? We like to complicate the things of God. We've talked about this. But it's clear in the scripture we're going to go through today that he's made himself known. And Mark will continue this next week and go into more depth on some of this. But I want to read verse 18 in chapter 1. And for those of you that are new, we've been in this for six months. And we're only in verse 18. But it's been a wonderful ride. And we're going to just keep moving. Keep going. And we'll see where we get by the time I'm 60. Probably chapter 3. But we're going to read through verse 20, but focus on 19 this morning. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since that what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men, humanity, is without what? Excuse. We have no excuse. God has made himself known clearly. And the reason why he's done that is so that we're not getting confused. And overcomplicate things. He's made himself known. Here, have you ever watched those um, documentaries on Netflix or TV where they, it's a, I don't know, a history channel does something or whatever, and they go into evidences of God. Anyone seen like that? Or evidences of the Bible. And I just saw like a news clipping that said, um, uh, archaeologists have found something that proves that something in the Bible is true, that this blah, blah, blah is true. I'm going, if we're making TV shows about finding, searching out evidences of God's divine power, we're wasting our resources because you and I can just look out our window and go, ah, there he is. There is the evidence of the living God. Uh, Is that pretty plain? Do you see trees out there? Uh, Do you see grass? Did you make it? No. No. Did he make it? Well, you know what? We better make a a TV show about it. Because Eureka, we found something that no one else has seen. No, it's right there, but we don't acknowledge it as God. The audacity we have to look at the sunrise, the sunset, the beautiful things around us, and deny that there is eternal, all-powerful, divine God is absolutely ludicrous. To say it's some 
comes from some blob that just goes bam, and then everything has purpose and is perfectly in alignment with everything else is absolutely ridiculous. Think about it. It is ridiculous. If, if what every person goes after in their heart of hearts is relationship, big bangs aren't about relationship. God is about relationship. And he makes himself plain as day so we're not confused. It's plain. And we can choose to reject it or not. And unfortunately, we choose more so to reject it. We take what's around us for granted. The things that God has made plain about himself, we try to explain away. It can't be that simple as we can see the power of God in a bush or the bug I just stepped on. It's got to be something else. It's got to be something more complicated. Why would God do that? He is not trying to confuse us so that we have to go on this huge maze and labyrinth to find him. Now, I, I got to be careful here because I like to be vulnerable, but I don't want to uh, overstep my bounds. But here's something that has come to irritate me. It's come to irritate me. And I get why we say it, but just for me, it irritates me. Well, I, I really want to find God in my life. And when Christians say that, I really want to see him more. I really want to, could he just reveal himself once to me so that I know he's, what? And it irritated me because I used to say those things in some way, shape, God, reveal, I invite you here. I, would you show up? Right? We've said those things. Have we not? We've got songs about it. I'm not criticizing that. I'm saying we've got to adjust our perception because that's been our perception. Oh, God, uh, could you be here? Could you show up so I could find you? He's here. It's about us engaging him and recognizing he's here. Have you been in a room with someone and they're talking to you and you're off looking in the distance and they go, hello? And you go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you were there. Are they there? Yes. Were you aware of them? No. We do our own thing. We have a sense of entitlement to do our own thing and ignore what is plain as day. This is not a God problem of him not revealing himself. He's already revealed we have to pay attention and be aware and now begin to yoke ourselves to him. Because if we don't, we're going to miss what is plain. Is that the word you read in here? I read that. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made himself plain. We don't have an excuse, folks. If we're going to go through the tensions of life, of course, we yoke ourselves to the one who's made himself plain. Now, are there challenges, challenges with that? Yes, because guess what? Sin wants to distort what is plain and make it blurry and hard to grab onto. And sin is seductive, is it not? We all have our temptations. We all have all had sins and temptations we've said yes to. And it blurs our vision of what is plain as day. And then if we keep going down that pattern, we begin to make TV shows about finding some kind of little evidence of God when evidence is all around. The fact that you can go, <sighs> is evidence of his love for you. It's right there. He's not hiding. He's not tapping you on the shoulder so you look that way and you don't see him. And he's going, <laughs> he's not doing that. He wants you to see him. 
He wants you to engage him. But it comes down to this, and this is where we're going to camp today. It comes down to choice. It really does. It comes down to choice. Life is a series of decisions. One after the other, after the other, after the other. We make our decisions based off the information that we have at hand. Whether it's good or bad information, we make our decisions based off the information of the context around us. Do we not? I'm hungry. Well, hmm, that's information. I'm going to go get something to eat because I'm hungry. Where am I going to eat? Now, that's a harder question for most people. All <laughs> I don't know where you want. I don't know where you want. Stop. Okay? But we make decisions based off the information of the context around us. How many like art? Anyone like art? The creative process. When you look at art, and let's just say you go to an art museum, and you see a painting, a beautiful painting. What you are seeing in front of you is a series of choices. Someone was inspired by the context around them in some way, whatever the context, internal, whatever, questions they were asking about life, things they've seen, the experiences they've had, and they make decisions based off that information, and then they display it in a way that makes us go, whoa. And then we start to ask questions. Why did they do that? Who's seen some artwork and you go, why did they do that, I wonder? Yeah. Huh, why did they do that? Oh, what? that was an interesting choice. <laughs> because life in itself is a series of choices. Relationship is a series of choices. Am I going to listen or am I going to not listen? Am I going to say something reactive or am I going to wait? They're all based off the emotional content. How many have said something in their relationships with a significant other or a family member that they regret? Because they said it out of the immediate context of, I am mad. That's the information I have because I feel it in my bones. And you go, here we go. I'm going to make this decision. Oh, now they hate me. Great. That was a poor decision. And why is it that when we look at life and we look at our choices, that we make so many poor choices? Because what was once plain to us is very, very distorted. There's a lot of unknown, especially in relationship. There are a lot of things that we don't have control of. Newsflash, folks, you don't really have control over anything outside of your yes to Jesus. But we try to control the flow of information in our lives, the flow of information about God, so it fits in a, a nicely, a nice package that doesn't cost me anything, really. Well, I go to church. Okay, I can go to church. That doesn't cost me too much. I go to a Bible study. Sure, that doesn't cost me too much either. But we make these decisions because sin has told us life is about our comfort and what we think we're entitled to. And Paul is saying it is not. God has made himself clear as day. And we are to be as slaves to him. We are to choose to have no choice because he's worthy. His sovereignty, his sovereignty is greater than any entitlement we have, any disappointment, any kind of happiness we can conjure up. Who he is, his divine power, his, his eternal authority and his glory, all of that is greater 
is greater than anything we can hope up for ourselves. And this is what I don't get, folks. I don't get this about my own life. If life isn't about him, what's it about? What do you get? What do you receive? What are you stepping into? If life's not with him, what's it for and what's it with? My greatest moments of life of suffering were my greatest triumphs because God was with me. And I don't look at those moments in my life of great suffering as a human understanding of suffering, but an opportunity of God's glory and his grace to be upon me, which transcended my understanding of life. And so life is about being with God. It can't be about anything else. And so the way to God is not complicated. He didn't complicate it. The only way to the Father is through the Son. People that aren't Christians can quote that. God made it clear. He's made it plain. He's revealed himself. He's shown his cards. He's not holding back. And when we re- and, and Paul's saying, he's giving a history lesson too that also applies to the present day for them. And he's saying, God's people have, and people in general have said no to God. They've rejected God. So God goes, boom, hands off. And now they're facing the wrath of God. But it's because they've rejected him. And we'll see later, it's they've swapped what is true, what is good, what is noble, what is glorious, what is love, what is wonderful for idols. God's people did that too. The Israelites did that. We reject what is simple and plain because it's got to be more than that. Uh-uh, folks. No. I had heard someone said, you know, when, when you're... When we're going after the things we're going after, and I'm going to be honest, as a pastor, as someone who's kind of, I've been told, is the tip of the spear when you're talking about a church, whatever. And I share with other people what we're going after. Some will say, okay, that's great, but what else are you doing? Well, there's got to be more than that. More than, excuse me, more than what? Well, more than what you just said. Okay, I, I said what we're trying to go after is being with Jesus in a way that we can navigate life, that he can be glorified through us. What are you going after? <laughs> oh, what we're going after is not enough because it's too simple? I've, I've had conversations like that. And that's not, that's not to be overconfident or arrogant. Is I, look, I don't have the intellect to try and make this more complicated and more diverse and more like, oh, we've got to do this and do this and this. No, I need it simple. I need it spelled out in crayon and R in reverse. I need to know without a map, I mean, without any doubt, God, who are you? What do you want from me? Here we go. I want you, he says. Got it. I can work with that. What more do you want? What more do you want? I don't know what anyone else would want. Well, I want purpose. There's no greater purpose than to be loved by God. What mission do you want that's greater than being with God and exploring the depths and the majesty of his heart that is uncreated, that we cannot fathom, and we get eternity to explore? What more is there? There's nothing more, folks. And if you want more, there's other places that can make stuff up. But this is about being with the living God in such a way that we are his and only his. I don't know what else to do. 
And the only way we navigate what's out there is by staying with the one who's made it simple and clear for us. Stay with me and I will show you the way. Done deal. You will love those who maybe the church has told you to condemn. We've done that. You will learn to love in a way that doesn't condemn people, but it doesn't condone. It ushers them to my heart and I will lead them. I will bring correction. I will discipline them. You don't need to do that. You need to illustrate my heart to them. I have chosen to reveal myself to you so that you can reveal me to others. And I'll do the hard lifting. You just say yes to me. Please, please stop rejecting me, my children. Because then you're choosing my wrath. And that's where I can't go. I don't want you to be separate from me. This is is what Paul is saying. God desperately wants you with him. Desperately. I can't imagine, can't imagine not having my kids with me. It pains me to see, to picture. I, I, parents said, have you had daymares about your kids being taken or, or not being with you? And how do you feel? It's a torment you can't put in words. And, and we take that for granted with God. Do you understand? And we, we reject him. He is heartbroken. And that's not a guilt thing. That's he wants you with him. There are so many people out there that go, oh, nobody loves me. Nobody... They are loved with a love that cannot be put in sonnets. It can't be put in songs. It can't put, be put poetry. It has to be experienced in the very presence of God. They are so deeply loved. And we get to be the ministers of that love. And sometimes we go, well, that's a wussy kind of love. No, it's not. Love has power. It is power. It is the power of God. Because it's what feels the gospel. And it's what we want most in life, connection. A place where we can feel safe to go, to be known. Love is the only thing that can do that. And for those that are like, well, what about correction? What about making sure, you know, hey, when love has the first word, it has the middle and it has the end, which means real love has discipline. And discipline is simply God's way to keep us with him to keep us safe. The people that I love and I trust in my life have full access to correct me without fear of reaction or resentment because love has set the table. God has made this plain to us, folks. It's right there. It's right there. I used to work at a church where my view was a parking lot. Look at what we have right in front of us. An everyday reminder that God is right here with us, that the glory of God is upon us. All we have to do is say yes to it. And you don't have to have the answers beyond that. You don't have to know how to handle that situation or this situation or that situation. God will let you know through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will begin if we are willing to stay with him and struggle to do so because it's hard sometimes because we have sin going, oh, well, this looks good. Well, this looks good. No, no, no. There's a movie one time where a father uh, had guys around him, his friends around him would always use curse words. And so when his little kids are in the room, he would say earmuffs and they would put their earmuffs on so they wouldn't hear the, the curse words. So when you see the sin come, nope, boom, him, him alone, what is playing? And I will be able to navigate the hardest questions that humanity can muster because God is driving the ship. I've gone like this. All right, Lord. I'm a slave to your will and what you want to do. 
If we can do that, folks, and that's plain as day. Those are your marching orders. Stay with him. Be with him. Let him do whatever he wants to do in you and through you. That's it. That's it. Nothing more beyond that point until he leads you somewhere. Nothing beyond that point, and we will navigate the tensions, and we'll have answers we didn't even know. God will, God will lead us through some of these hard passages that, I'll be honest, I've been afraid of. He'll do it in such a way. Such a way that it will restore our hope that we do not have to fear when it comes to Jesus. There's nothing man can do against him. Are you with me? Amen? Plain as day, folks. Plain as day. I want to pray something over you. As we get ready to take the offering and prepare hearts to give, I want you to receive right now, so posture yourself in any way that you need to to receive. You need to stand, stand. If you need to sit, sit. Do whatever you got to do. I want to pray that God, God would remove any, anything off of your spiritual sight that has blurred what is plain as day. I remove that now in Jesus' name and send it to his feet. So Lord, remove any blockage in Jesus' name. Any, any lies of the enemy, we remove those now in Jesus' name so that your truth will seep into the places that have been starving for it in our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that today of all days we get to celebrate baptism. The old Baptist phrase, down with the old, up with the new, but where truth seeps into those places and gives us clarity so that we can see what is plain that is the choice that we have when we come to you. We want to engage you in spirit and truth. So remove those things that entangle us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask that you would bless these gifts that we give. Give back for the advancement of your kingdom. And we give with trust in our hearts. That with you we will always have enough. That we don't have to think about giving as, what can I afford to give? It's more, Lord, what are you calling me to give? Because all we have is yours, and we thank you for that. So we ask you to use it to bless your kingdom, for your glory. I pray that we would celebrate today alongside those being dedicated to you and those being baptized in your name. We would celebrate as a family, as a community. We're in agreement that who you are is good, and it's enough. And it's what we want. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We worship you. You're good. You unravel me with the melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy.
God. 